postpartum body odor. It is a totally natural phenomenon because your body chemistry changes after giving birth. And so sometimes that means that what worked before is no longer effective. But I am excited to say that now there is a solution for that stubborn odor. The Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant is a completely natural deodorant made by a postpartum mom who went through it herself. And it works by eliminating and preventing bacterial body odor without covering up your skin's comforting smell to your baby while giving you 12 hours of odor control. And let me tell you, it actually works. Here at the house, we've all been trying it and loving it. Now, before you think, ew, you're sharing a deodorant with your husband and daughter, let me explain that this full-body deodorant comes in a convenient pump applicator that lets you apply it anywhere on your body with no bacteria traveling on the deodorant, so no ew involved. We also love that the Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant has a delightful natural scent of USDA certified organic extracts that smell like a pink sugar cookie with lemon frosting. I thought this would be a little strange, but it's actually amazing. Also, the Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant is free from artificial fragrances and any kind of senoestrogens or herbs that can interfere with breastfeeding. Find your Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant at postpartumdeodorant.com. That's postpartumdeodorant.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off through the month of May. Get your Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant now at postpartumdeodorant.com and start smelling more like yourself again. Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and this is a bonus episode. Instead of the usual interviewer story, today you are going to get a mini-sode with my compiled list of things that I believe can set any person up for a better birth, no matter how the baby decides to enter the world. And because it's the spirit of the season and whatnot, I'm calling it the 12 days of birth. Whatever your beliefs, I hope you have a wonderful and mindful end of the year. Enjoy. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros and new parents to inform your intuition. Hello, mighty parents and parents-to-be. As you've noticed by now, I'm doing something a little different with this episode. So here's the deal. 2018 has been crazy intense with lots of highs and a serious curveball. And so you know by now that I try to practice what I preach So for these next two weeks, the last two weeks of the year, I'm going to take a much needed break to review and process what has happened in the past few months and also in order to plan out 2019 and, of course, spend some quality time with my family. But I didn't want to go radio silent just like that. So before I pause the episodes until the next year, I decided to give you an end of year gift with this 12 days of birth bonus episode. And I know, I know, birth is unpredictable and it does its own thing. Books, podcasts, childbirth classes, labor support, a rocking care provider, all these things help immensely in setting the stage for a good outcome. But ultimately, though, if your baby happens to be breached and tangled in the umbilical cord or something like that, then that's going to be the biggest determinant of the course of your labor or lack thereof, no matter how much you've prepared. So what you have here 
are my wishes for things that I believe can set any person up for a better labor and a flowing birth. And I've also included in the show notes link to links to episodes that relate to these wishes in case you want more information and something to listen to in these in these next weeks. As I plan for the new year, one of the things that I will be analyzing is if I want to ditch or revamp my Patreon. And I am leaning towards revamping it um, because I do want to connect more with you, but I want to do something different than in, with the rewards rather than like early access, which has been hard with everything that's been happening this year. So, for example, I would ditch that early access reward and switch it up with access to bonus content of some sort, like a short video of me going deeper into the topic of that week's episode or just or whatever you guys maybe send me that you want me to answer or talk more about. Another thought would be to take, say, each one of these wishes here that I am briefly talking about uh, or that I will be talking about in this episode and then expand that wish and go deeper into what it means and the intricacies and the whys and the research. Or maybe what you'd rather have is access to the handouts that I've created for my doula clients and have like a, be part of my prenatals on a, at a distance. I the the truth is I would just love to know what you think and so I've created a super short survey for you to weigh in on what you want from me in 2019. You can help me out by filling it at birthful.com slash 2019 and that's with a written out number so 2019. birthful.com 2019 and I will also include the link in the show notes as always. Um, another thing that I'm strongly considering for the new year is creating some childbirth education classes, say. So if that sounds interesting to you, do go and tell me. Please fill out the survey at birthful.com slash 2019. All right, 12 wishes time. Here we go. Number one, my first wish is that your water doesn't break before labor starts. If you're doing a hospital birth and your water releases before labor begins, then chances are you will need to take a trip to the hospital or to your care provider's office to verify that what you're leaking is indeed amniotic fluid. And if it is, then you will most likely be scheduled for an induction within 24 hours due to concern about infection or you'll be put on some, some sort of a clock. Now, it's important to note that research shows that left on their own, 95% of all birthing people will start labor within 24 hours of their water breaking. However, having to take that trip for breakage verification and being scheduled for an induction are not conducive to the relaxation and calm that you need to bring on the release of your natural oxytocin. And so this is why I'm hoping you don't have to deal with any of it in the first place. Also important to note that your water doesn't have to break at all for you to have a baby. That's what's called being born in the call. And if at any point your care provider asks about breaking your water, know that you have the choice to decide yes or no, as with any intervention. There are pros and cons, so, you know, research. <laughs> And if you're birthing at home and your water breaks before labor starts, then your particular care provider's threshold on how long before something needs to be done or something needs to happen is going to vary. Talk to them about it. And aside from time, one thing that can affect the risk of infection is the frequency and number of vaginal checks that you have and how they are done. So that's another thing to consider. And 
Also, your care provider may want to start labor sooner if you tested positive for group B strep, which leads me to my next wish, which is number two, that your group B strep test comes back negative. And yes, while having a positive result for group B strep is not on its own a huge deal, it may likely result in you having to get one or more rounds of antibiotics while in labor. And this is a recommended routine and prophylactic practice for all GBS positive birthing people in the US. But it's not the case if you're birthing in the UK, for example. You don't, not, people don't get tested for GBS across the board while they're pregnant. Um, so that's just, it goes back to different protocols and different ways of doing things. Now, having to get IV antibiotics during labor can be disruptive, annoying, and even painful, and not to mention the effects it can have on seeding your baby's microbiome at birth. So as I mentioned before, if you are GBS positive and your water breaks, you may need to make your way to the hospital for these antibiotics right away, regardless of if you are contracting or not. And if you're laboring at home, that might mean that your care provider may have to come earlier to get you hooked up. So I hope that you do not have to deal with that at all. Do consider that GBS likes to hang out in the same environment as Candida. They like the same clubs. So there is a correlation there in terms of what you could do to decrease the chances of having a positive result in the first place. And that is a rabbit hole. We're not going down this episode. <laughs> Moving on to my third wish is that you are well rested when labor starts. Now, this is something you can control. Labor is tough enough without starting out tired. So ask yourself, and if you're in the last few weeks of pregnancy, ask yourself, would I be well rested if labor started right now? If the answer is no, go take a nap. And do this on a daily basis, right? Ask yourself, would I be well rested if labor started right now? Now, if you're having trouble sleeping, then try to go to bed at the same time every night and wake up at the same time in the morning, even during weekends, I know. Make the last 30 minutes to an hour before bed conducive to sleep. So do your mindful practice, meditate, read a book, keep the lights low and in the yellow spectrum if you can. Avoid screen time for the same reason during those last 30 minutes to an hour and also avoid exercising and eating stimulating foods. So sadly, no chocolate before bed because it's going to get in the way. All right. You could also even keep a journal close to your bed where you can dump all those thoughts that are keeping you awake. And then if you want to take it further, just make sure you keep moving and exercising regularly and having other tension-releasing practices like indulging in massage or getting acupuncture or chiropractic adjustment to take away the pains. All of those things can help you be more comfortable in general and then obviously help you sleep better. Okay. Number four is that I hope you are free to move whenever and however you want during labor and even during the pushing stage because moving during labor gives your baby space to rotate, align, and descend. And so do whatever you want during labor. I really wish this for you. You can belly dance, you can squat, you can walk, you can sit on the toilet, lean over the bed on your knees, or over a birthing ball, slow dance with your partner. It's all good. Just move. All right, number five is that I hope you have minimal or no internal vaginal checks. 
unless you yourself think the information would be helpful to you, then yeah, all good. But here's the thing. Vaginal checks are mere snapshots. They tell you where you're at at that moment and that's it. That's all they say. They can't tell you how long you have to go or obviously say nothing about how long it took to get to where you're at. And especially because birth is not linear and sometimes the cervix may not have caught up with what the rest of the process is doing. So we look at, like as a doula, I look at the whole person and what you know, how's her breathing? How's the focus during the contractions? How intense are the contractions? Not just what's the cervix up to, so, because it can be deceiving. And also wanting to correlate how far along you are with a numerical representation of the opening of your cervix is a thinking brain desire, not a primal brain desire. And since you birth with your body, not with your brain, <laughs> then this mind game can take you away from your birthing process. It's a little intervention. And also, it can be really hard if you have what you consider to be a disappointing vaginal check. That information can erode your confidence. It can bring anxiety, frustration. And those are things that do not go hand in hand with oxytocin flow, which is what you need. Ah, postpartum brain fog. Did you even know that was a thing? But I'm guessing that if you have little ones at home, you're probably feeling it, along with the increased mental load of trying to be a multitasking caregiver, facing the stressful demands of everyday life. And that's without even considering the added lack of sleep. It's definitely a lot, which is why I'm so appreciative of Needed's Cognitive Support Supplement created to help support key aspects of cognitive health like focus and attention, brain health and memory, and even alleviate brain fog and eye fatigue. Now, what makes Needed's Cognitive Support so unique is that unlike many other cognitive support supplements, Needed's is appropriate to take while breastfeeding. In fact, it was designed with this in mind. But don't just take my word for it. In an in-market study, 92% of people taking Needed's Cognitive Support saw an improvement in overall cognitive function, with 78% seeing an improvement in mental clarity, aka brain fog. And of these many positive reviews, my favorite is one that says, quote, This is my third postpartum period. This is the best I have felt mentally and physically, despite now having three kiddos to care for, end quote. Basically, taking Needed's Cognitive Support is an easy way to help reclaim your brain during postpartum. Head over to thisisneeded.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off your first month of Needed products. That's thisisneeded.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off your first month of Needed products. And not to mention that vaginal checks can be really uncomfortable since most providers do them with the birthing person flat on their back. And that's just not, that's not a natural position you assume when birthing. Um, also, can we, can we please just take a moment to consider the fact that culturally we've agreed to have an acquaintance or even a stranger put their hands inside our vaginas so that they can tell us and let us know about a physiological process that is taking place inside our own bodies? Uh, yeah, 
So, okay, I'll, I'll leave that there for now and move on to wish number six, which is that I hope that you are free to eat and hydrate any way you want during labor. Here's why. Eating gives you the energy you need to get through that marathon. However, the reason food may be restricted during labor has to do with minimizing what's called the risk of aspiration, which goes something like this. If a birthing person were to require an emergency cesarean and there was no time to give them a spinal block and they didn't already have a working epidural, they would then need general anesthesia. And if while being knocked out, they threw up and if they happened to aspirate the contents because their airway wasn't properly cleared when they they breathe in, then really bad things could happen, including shock or death. Now, that's definitely horrible. But the thing is that this is an outdated recommendation that goes back to the 40s. That's when it was created and when it stuck. Today, only about 6% of cesareans require general anesthesia, and the technology for keeping airways open and minimizing acidic levels and stomach contents has also improved. So the risk has decreased significantly. In fact, if we look at the available data, the risk of aspiration during delivery is less than one per million. This is based on data from when general anesthesia for cesarean use was at 41%, not the current 6%. So that risk is probably much lower today. All this information that I am sharing comes from a fantastic and super in-depth article from Evidence-Based Birth, uh, which I will definitely link in the show notes because I think, like, I love reading about this. So you can read more interesting information around this. Uh, like, for example, the fact that since labor slows down digestion, there is no guarantee of an empty stomach, even if you didn't eat anything at all from your first contraction on. So, yeah, not eating doesn't guarantee that you are lessening this risk, which is already super, super low, especially for non-high-risk pregnant people. Which, yeah, my wish is that I hope you get to eat and drink if you feel like doing that. Moving on, number seven, my wish is that you have all the time that you want and need to birth your baby. Now, this goes back to my mantra that birth is not linear. It starts, it stops, it takes a detour, hangs out for a while, then takes a highway or not. It seriously does its own thing. So time constraints more often than not get in the way of process. The need to speed things up when your body is giving you a needed break to regain your strength, like say in the time between being fully dilated and feeling the need to push, can make things way more complicated than they need to be. Like I've seen people take a nap, like an hour-long nap, <laughs> between being fully dilated and pushing because that's what their bodies needed. They needed to like, oh, this is really intense. Let's stop it for a second, catch our breath, take a nap, gather, and then, all right, now we're going to push. Totally fine. Plus, let's be honest, you cannot hurry nature. You probably heard these analogies that have made the meme rounds uh, in the internet that talk about how you can't speed up a flower by forcing the bulb to open or you can't hurry the butterfly by opening the, concu the cocoon. There is important work being done in those latent faces and that calm, just like during the pauses in birth. So I do hope you have all the time you want and need. All right. Number eight is that I hope you have a quiet, safe, cozy, and peaceful place where to give 
birth. Because if you feel safe, supported, and protected, then the oxytocin is going to flow and you'll easily go into the deeper brain waves that will drift you off into labor land. Now, if you don't think this is very important, then please, please, please go to a bit.ly link that I created at bit.ly slash the performance, all one word. So bit.ly slash the performance to see an equal parts hilarious and sad video created by a birth group in Italy. It has subtitles, so just know. Um, this video shows of what would happen if we treated the physiological act of having sex like we do the physiological act of giving birth. It is powerful. It is eye-opening. And it, yeah, it, and it'll give you a good laugh. So the link is also in the show notes at birthful.com and you can thank me later. All right, for number nine, for day nine, my wish for you is a beautifully aligned and untangled baby. Because birth flow is as much up to you as it is up to your baby. This is a 50-50 partnership. And so the better position your baby is, the smoother labor will flow. Now, during pregnancy and birth, your baby will accommodate to the space that is provided. I hate when, when providers say, oh, this baby's so naughty. Look, they've, you know, they insist on being traverse or this baby's so naughty, has his hand on the way. Babies aren't naughty. Come on. They're just adapting to the space, to the container that holds them. So balancing your pelvis and having a toned per pelvic floor and toned doesn't mean tight. It means toned is just not too tight, not too soft, just right. That does have a direct impact on your baby's position. And of course, you know that movement is incredibly valuable during labor because when you move, you give your baby space to move. So stuff you can do during pregnancy is focusing on aligning and balancing your pelvis and getting some body work done that is going to be helpful to you and minding your exercise and then during labor move 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 so that you have a better chance to having a beautifully aligned and untangled baby number 10 is the wish for no episiotomy and slow crowning to protect your perineum back to that pelvic floor first of all okay the research is loud and clear that routine episiotomies actually can make things worse so if your care provider is a fan and does them often that's an enormous red flag please pay attention that like Episiotomies. So in nearly 12 years of being a doula, I've only seen three episiotomies and two of them were doing were during assisted deliveries, meaning there was a forcep or vacuum extraction where there was an urge to get the baby out as soon as possible. So, yeah, episiotomies. No, thank you. Now, there are no guarantees that you won't tear, but know that tearing isn't necessarily a big deal. You don't feel it when it's happening. However, Getting stitches after birthing a baby is uncomfortable to say the least and can take a longer time that, that you want depending on the stitches. 
and also, you know, the the intensity of contractions has a rhythm and it comes and it goes. It doesn't stick around. This is unexpected and it happens at a point where you thought you were done. So it can take your attention away from bonding with your baby, um, which, you know, gets in the way. So best not to have it. Also, an intact perineum makes for a more pleasant postpartum recovery. Duh. So to give you some ideas on what can be helpful and to protect your perineum, go listen to the episode with Rachel Reed. That's called exactly that, protecting your perineum. And also the episode with Wapio on rethinking the pushing states. Those can those there are things you can do to try to help prevent tearing. And of course, we talked about episiotomies. All right, number eleven is that I hope you have a care provider birthing team and place of birth that follows family-centered maternity care and truly support birth physiology. So if your care providers talk about what they're going to let you do or not do during labor, most likely they do not truly follow family-centered or patient-centered maternity care. What does that mean? So the Institute of Medicine defines patient-centered care as providing care that is respectful, of and responsive to individual patient preferences, needs, and values, and ensuring that the patient values guide all clinical decisions. I, of course, prefer calling it family-centered instead of patient-centered maternity care because I feel that to be a patient implies that you're sick, which is not the case when you are having a baby, unless you have some high-risk issues that need special attention. You are a perfectly healthy person that just happens to be giving birth at a medical institution, unless, of course, you're birthing at home. So birth is usually not an emergency. It's an emergence. Let's reframe that. You are not a patient. You're birthing in person. You're healthy. For more information on this type of care, check out Evidence-Based Births post on what is patient-centered maternity care. It's linked on the show notes. And now in terms of the physiology part, again, go watch the video that I mentioned at bit.ly slash the performance, but understand that anything that keeps you in your thinking brain and doesn't let you go deep into labor land is an intervention. So, because here's the thing, we usually think of interventions as big things like being induced, but really all the little things are interventions as well. So vaginal checks, intervention, asking you a gazillion questions, especially those that you already answered on the paperwork you said it, sent in to avoid that situation, intervention, getting in the car and driving to a hospital or birthing center, intervention, timing contractions, intervention. All these things engage your thinking brain, and so that lessens your oxytocin flow, making the process take longer to start. If you have a team that understands this and really focuses on supporting physiology, that is hugely important. And so this ties directly, this number 11 ties directly with my 12th and final wish for you in these 12 days of birth, which is dun, 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 that you have the continuous labor support of a doula. <laughs> you, you, what, you thought I was going to leave that out? If you could only have one of my 12 wishes, this is it. Have a doula. I'm going to paraphrase here uh, with a gender neutral pronouns, a quote from the wonderful Pam England that says, asking your significant other 
best friend, family member, or anyone else that you consider your primary support person to be your sole guide through labor is like asking them to lead the way on a climb of Mount Everest. They may be smart and trustworthy, you may love them, but in the Himalayas, you'd both be a lot better off with a Sherpa. A doula is just that. It's your own personal birth Sherpa, or some even say birth fairy. She or he, because there are male, male doulas out there, may not be able to do the work for you, but will do everything they can to make it a better experience. And that's not simply a subjective statement. I'm not just saying, ooh, birth fairies, doulas. No, there is significant evidence that having a doula can improve your birth outcomes and even make your baby healthier. Also, it's very important to understand that a doula will not take the place of your partner. Rather, they're going to work with them so your partner can better support you. And this also increases their confidence and lessens their anxiety so they too can have a better experience. It's beautiful for everybody. Do know that doulas are a good support for all kinds of birth choices and births. So it doesn't matter if you're having a planned cesarean or a home birth or anything in between. Now... If you are looking to have a non-medicated birth at a hospital, then having a doula can help you even the playing field so you can really focus on supporting your physiology, which is your purview, and the care providers can focus on the medical stuff, which is their purview. And so it's a beautiful non-antagonistic relationship, right? As it should be. (laughs) Hint, hint. All right, there you have it. Those are my 12 wishes, my 12 days of birth for a fabulous birth experience. If there was something else that you thought should have been included in my 12 days of birth, then send me a message about it. You can email info at birthful.com or better yet, fill out my quick survey at birthful.com slash 2019. So I include your thoughts in my planning for what the new year will bring. Whatever your stage in this pregnancy, birth, postpartum journey, I hope you have a wonderful end of this year with lots of love and lots of laughter and that you make some time to take care of you. Mighty Ones, find the in-depth show notes for this episode at birthful.com, where you can also learn more about me, the show, send me messages, and more. I'm also on Facebook or Twitter as at birthful, so come say hi. This episode was produced by me and made possible by you. The title song for this podcast is Vive A's by Kevin McLeod, and the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Zabriskie. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next year when I'll be helping you inform your intuition here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so very much for listening. Hey, Mighty One. Did you know that if you started listening to one birthful episode per day at the start of your pregnancy, your baby would be about three months old before you got through all of them? That is so much birthful. So to ease us into the summer and to help you catch up on your listening, we're going back to releasing one episode per week instead of two. Now you know.